we started out this morning, I read the scripture in Isaiah chapter 51. I'm going to read two verses there, and then I'm going to ask that we stand. And we're going to go to the Lord in prayer as I begin to share with you. It says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money for what is not bread and, and your labor on what does not satisfy? goes along with that. Don't waste your life. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest fare. That, that whole passage there in Isaiah, did I say Isaiah? Isaiah uh, 55, I've been known before to give the wrong book or the wrong reference. <clears throat> Look, I just, can I just pastor to, 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 to family? Can I share this? If I ever get it wrong, would y'all just let me know? I'm okay with that, okay? I don't mind being, hey, pastor, wrong verse, you know, because I, I may do that every once in a while. But thank the Lord for his word because it's life to us. <laughs> I got a big thumbs up on the back row. They'll let me know. <laughs> but can we go to the Lord in prayer? And then we're going to, I want to ask you if you would, we're going to stand and just to honor him this morning. You've been sitting down long enough. You need to fluff the pillow anyhow. So, uh, Father, we thank you, dear God. Lord, in your omnipotence, dear God, and your, your all-knowing, Lord, you knew, dear God, that we need nurturers in our lives, dear God, to help draw us into the maturity that you had planned for us. And God, th those that would birth life, dear God, that they would give in themselves to be able to see to it that we had the opportunity to live. And Lord, I, I thank you, dear God, for the mothers that you placed in our life. Dear Lord, but the principle there, dear God, carries beyond, dear Lord, just the scope of our mothers. And, and, and Lord, there is a spiritual work involved in mothering and nurturing and raising people to life. And God, I pray that as we spend time in your word today, Lord, that you would illuminate that scripture. Lord, illuminate your words, dear God. You have provided for us, dear God, when we couldn't even, couldn't even in any way purchase what you were given, dear God, and you encourage us to come to you and draw deeply, dear Lord, and to receive from you your blessings. And God, I pray that you would speak to each heart uh, those things that, that you desire for them, dear God, and you know that we all need. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. I, uh, I just want to take just a moment and, and uh, acknowledge the fact that Amy is with us today. We've been, we've been enjoying the journey. Not an easy one. But so with all that you have been through, what I, I'm completely clueless, but um, you have a rank. Ensign Varnell, and she's continuing to go through that process, that journey. But my goodness, you know, we've on occasion been praying for her as she was going through flight school and all the different things. I mean, going through the initial training, and I, I'm, I tell you what, I'm completely impressed with the fight in you. I have to say that. I mean, you pushed through uh, uh, not only uh, the, the difficulty of the training, but even the physical things that you were going through, and I, I'm completely impressed and i'm looking forward to seeing what god does through you so congratulations to you and we're glad you're here to celebrate with your mom 
We thank you for all who, who blessed with the baby shower last week. And we will continue to pray with you and for you. And, uh, and we're looking forward to this new arrival. All right. Praise the Lord. I have just really been stirred in, in the last uh, few weeks. I didn't get to share last week, so uh, we get to kind of extend over from that. But, um, you know, in Psalm chapter 42, there's a verse that is very familiar to a lot of us if you've been in, in church or you grew up around church. But there's a passage there that says, and we won't be there very long, but... Um, it says, as the deer pants for streams of water, so my, so, so my soul pants for you, O God. It says verse 2, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? And I have been, I have been uh, stirred with the fact that... Uh, you know, every one of us has a certain level of thirst, a certain level of hunger, a certain level of desire for the Lord. This passage right here, it says, as the deer pants for the streams of water. The, the terminology that's used there is reflective of like a deer that's been pursued by a hunter or, or some kind of animal that's been pursuing it. It is run and it's run and it's run. And it just finds itself completely parched and it comes to a place where all of a sudden it is just desirous. I just need something to drink. I've got to have something to drink. Where can I find a stream? Where can I find something to, 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 uh, to, uh, to satisfy this thirst that I have on the inside, this hunger that I have on the inside? I don't know. I, I've asked a couple of people. I asked my mom. I asked Cecile and a few other people. But what's the thirstiest you've ever been? Have any of you really been thirsty? any of you ever been to the place where if you didn't get something to drink, you could lose your life? Anybody been more than a day without something to drink? No, we're really blessed, you know. Um, I was looking it up, and it said that it's, that it's possible for someone to go maybe in a, in a in a perfect situation where they're not out in the heat and exposure, that someone could possibly go six days without water. I don't want to go six days without water. I'm kind of parched right now. Um, <clears throat> now maybe I'm getting thirsty just thinking about it. But I, I mean that, that usually... <laughs> thank you, Audrey. <laughs> I have a bottle over here. Um, she showed me her bottle. That didn't help me feel any better. Um, but... Um, excuse me just a moment. We're going to sell bottled of waters at the back after service. <laughs> but they say that, that really that, it, it, that the three to four days would probably be the norm, that, that someone could go without water. After that, things begin to shut down. And, you know, I've, I have uh, um, having a, a good drink of water is such an important thing to us, and I know this seems like, like very trivial stuff, but if you're not drinking enough water, your body doesn't function the way it's supposed to function. If you're not getting what's necessary for your body to, to function, and, and one thing that, is, that I have dealt with, uh, talked to a lot of people about, and it's one of my things, if I go see someone in the hospital, I'm going to talk about this, and I've talked to doctors about this and things like that, but, 
But, folks, we've got to have enough water. If you don't have enough water, your systems are not going to work. Your body's not going to purge the way it's, it's supposed to. Your brain won't function the way it's supposed to. You are be sub, become subject to infections in your body because your body's not getting those toxins out of the body. You know, and even uh, I talked to a missionary doctor, and he said, you know, on the mission field, that's uh, when they take teams over to other nations. That's one of the, the main things that they have, one of the first things and the main things that they have to deal with with people that are on missions trips because people are in this strange country and the bathroom is a hole in the floor or, or it's behind a bush somewhere. And so people wait, I just wait. I'll, I'll wait till we get to the hotel or I'll wait till we get to a better location or something like that. And so people uh, get out there and they end up getting dehydrated. They don't go to the bathroom like they're supposed to. They end up getting infections in their body. But he said the primary reason is because they don't drink enough water. They don't drink enough water and because of that they become parched. And uh, their body does not function the way it's supposed to. But it's real interesting to me that, that uh, the Bible over and over again uses the theme of thirst as a spiritual thing. God is passionate about us being thirsty, and he says that if we are thirsty, that we can come to him. Can we go to John chapter 7? Let's go to John chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 37. John 7 and 37. And my pages just want to turn individually today. I don't know why that is. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and it's the Feast of of Tabernacles. But it says in verse 37, On the last day of the feast, Jesus stood up and said with a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. Streams of living water will flow from within him. And by this, he meant the spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. It says, up to that time, the spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. You know, in the Old Testament, we had a little discussion about this in the car yesterday. We were going to a Mother's Day celebration with Cecile's mom. But in the Old Testament, it's common in the language of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was still active. The Holy Spirit's been active before creation. It's not a new thing. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of God. Uh, Dr. Michael Brown is an apologist, and he, very interesting, if you're pulling up on YouTube, you'll learn a lot from Dr. Michael Brown. But he was talking with a Jewish person who was challenging him. The Jewish person said, look, you cannot really be a Jew because you believe in a God that's a trinity, three parts, and the Jewish law says that God is one God. And so you're actually, you know, and he says, look, he said, said, do you believe that God's spirit can fill the whole earth, that his presence can be in the temple of the Lord, and that he could also appear because he appeared to Abraham on the earth, and while he was appearing to Abraham in the form of a man, his spirit was still filling the whole earth, and he was still seated in the throne in heaven, just like the Scripture says. He said, so he is one God. He's just revealing himself in different ways. But God can be right here in my heart. He can be in your heart, right? He can be in this church and and manifesting himself in his presence. He can be in another church on the other side of the world at the same time. So if we try to take God and put him in the confines of our little consciousness and ability to understand things, this can only be in one place. 
but you can take and fill. This room is filled with vapor. It's vapor. The Spirit of the Lord can be here. He can be all around the world. He can appear in, in a physical form like Jesus walking on the earth and still be reigning in the heavens. Amen? Amen? He's God. But in the Old Testament, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we know that he brooded over the creation when the earth was not fully formed the way it was intended to say that he hovered over the waste of the earth while God was in the process of creation. We also hear that throughout the years that, that uh, he came upon the prophets, the scripture uses the words a lot, that the Spirit came upon them and the judges and the different ones throughout history were empowered or were given a word to be able to speak encouragement to the people or to do mighty acts of God because the Holy Spirit came upon them. But it says that, uh, but in the New Testament, we find that Jesus gave a promise. He said that the Holy Spirit will be with you. The promise would come that he will be with you, but that he would also be in you. That we become the tabernacle, but that we become the temple of the living God. And God would dwell within us. This scripture says that there will be streams of living water coming out of us. I feel... In my spirit, the Lord is wanting to take us. We have got, in the body of Christ, we've got people who've been walking with the Lord for a long time, seasoned in the faith. We know God's word, but God is wanting to draw the river out of us into the place where there's deserts. It's a wasteland out there. Folks, we need to understand where our culture is. People do not know God. The foundational things that we may have grown up with or you may have grown up with if you grew in, grow in church, they don't know it out there. When they're looking for hope and when they're looking for help, they don't know that they can call on God. Matter of fact, what's been pervasive throughout the culture, what's been pervasive throughout there is that God and Christians are seen as judgmental people trying to put the heavy on folks, trying to you know, point a finger out, point out faults and criticism and accusation and things like that. It's completely, I mean, God does, that says the Holy Spirit makes us aware of, of sin and righteousness, that there is a consciousness on the inside of us, but the whole purpose of it is for God to draw us to himself. He wants to set people free. Do you realize how much God invested in the freedom of mankind in bringing life to us? You know, we're celebrating Mother's Day. And uh, I remember when uh, Cecile, <laughs> she's just stepped out. <laughs> it's a great time to call on her, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> I'll probably have to get in trouble for this later. Um, but when, when Cecile and I, I'm, as a father, when we found out that we were expecting Hannah, little Hannah, who's still little Hannah, I'm going to tell you, I was excited. We're going to have a child. And I was scared to death. How in the world are we going to do that? You know what? You know what I'm talking about, dads? It's like a two-edged thing. You're excited about that child coming, then you're like, "Oh my goodness, we got a child coming." And then I don't know what it's like to have the little baby growing on the inside and the little kicking and things like that. I got to experience a little movement and, and things like that, and talk to the baby and anticipating of it. But but really, it's different for the dad than it is for the mom. Now, dads have their own things they have to deal with. Um, the cravings. And, you know, the mother's going through things while she's, she's in the process of developing that baby on the inside. But the reality is the price 
And the commitment of that child on the mother's part is a lot greater at that point. Because her life has been completely rearranged in order to help produce a child. To give that child an opportunity to live. The nutrients that go in a, a mother's mouth make sure that the child is nourished before the mother is nourished. I mean, she's sustained, but the reality is if the baby needs something, the mom is depleted, so the baby gets the nourishment. The whole process becomes revolving, starts to revolve around making sure that that baby is healthy and whole and has the opportunity to be birthed. And then when it comes down to birth, I'm going to tell you what, I thought I was the man until Cecile went into delivery. And then I'm like, I'll take the hat off and give it to you all day long. Um, she, that, was, that was an amazing and awesome. Cecile, our, our, the first pregnancy was a very difficult pregnancy, a very hard pregnancy. Matter of fact, there was times when I walked and I prayed and asked God to preserve my wife and to preserve our baby. It was not an easy, an easy thing that she went through. And uh, it came down to the wire, and really she needed to, li- to deliver or we, we could have lost them both. And uh, thankfully, uh, I-, I was amazed even from that point when, when getting into liberty to see the determination that that baby was coming forth. That baby was coming forth. But God has put in every one of us who's a believer the ability to be a life giver. There's an ability to be a life giver. And I believe that God wants us to develop a passion. When he says that, if, if you are thirsty and you come to him, that he will bring uh, rivers of living water out of you. Is that not interesting? He didn't say if you're thirsty, he's just going to bring rivers of living water to you. But didn't you just say that you were thirsty, that it's me that has the need? I'm the one that's thirsty. But God's intent is not just to get the water to us. It's to get the water, it rhymes, doesn't it, through us. God wants there to be streams of living water. It, it is, the Dead Sea is famous, and it's got all kinds of reasons why it's famous, but one of the things that's really interesting about it, and, you know, prophecy is that it's going to become this, this uh, a life-giving place where, where there's going to be all kinds of uh, fish in the place, is going to be renewed, there's going to be trees and everything like that. If you go through Scripture and, and, and see the Scripture about that, <coughs> But the reality is right now, water flows into the Dead Sea and never flows out. So there's a salt content that's built up to the point where you can walk out of that water and at a certain point you can't walk anymore and you can't sink anymore and your body just becomes buoyant because of the density of the water and you float. How many of you have been to the Red Sea and floated? What did I say? I meant the Dead Sea. Thank you. (laughs) I told you. The Dead Sea. I've never been there yet. But you just begin to float. But it's because it's become so dense because there's no outflow from it. Body of Christ. All this river that's flowing into us day after day and year after year, God's intent is that we not be a dead sea, but we be a sea of life, that that river flow out from us into the people that really have a need. God can produce life through us. You know what? The enemy tries to intimidate us and make us feel like maybe I don't know enough or maybe I don't have enough or maybe, you know, I don't know what their questions are and their answer. I, I uh, 
Can I just, I, I was talking with, with Ralph the other day and talking about some of the things that he's passionate about God doing, and we're going to get, um, if you don't mind me sharing just a little bit, you okay? Um, I highly esteem Ralph for his knowledge of the Word and his diligence in study and things like that. I love to hear him teach. It's always rich. Um, and he told me that a few years ago, and I don't know how many years ago, but that, that he he wanted to have an encounter with someone that was, uh, was Jehovah's Witness. And I don't know how familiar you are with that. I just want to let you know that Jehovah's Witness believe differently than we do. Some people don't know any difference, but that they really do. They have their own translation of the Bible. One of the things is a key telling point is they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Okay? And we won't get into all the doctrine and everything now. Um, basically, you have to earn your right to be be saved or to be one of the, the, the chosen ones, and uh, they log their time witnessing to people, you know, they, they, there's all kinds of things I don't mean to get into, but what I really, the, the key thing is, and the one thing that really stands out, they don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Now that's, go ahead. They don't believe he is God. Well, and I know in their scripture, there's a scripture that we have that says, in, where we say that he is the Son of God, and, and their scripture says that he is a Son of God. So they make a distinction between his position. They don't believe he's God, okay? And uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of other things that we don't have time to get into. But Ralph wanted to have the opportunity to have the dialogue with somebody, so, so he entered into a conversation. One thing he spoke to me this week was that, you know, and, and Ralph's knowledgeable about, about the Word, but understand Somebody that is, that is in, that, um, in that system, they are groomed, trained, very disciplined. They're not unprepared when they come and talk to you. Now, generally when they come, they're going to have a junior person who's in training, and they will have a, an older, more mature person who's there to help guide that person, instruct that person, help that person along, and they're, they're, they're being mentored as they go along. But they are, they're prepared to talk to you, and they've probably come across just about every kind of, of thing that you may try to share with them, uh, at least a lot of them. And uh, it, it, uh, what Ralph shared with me this week, that really he said that you know, the first time he talked to them, he was surprised at how knowledgeable they were of Scripture and things like that. And to get the full story, you can go talk to Ralph. But what's happened over the years is he's realized, you know, okay, folks, they still need the truth of Jesus, right? Okay, they still need the truth of Jesus. They need to be set free as well. And, and uh, so Ralph has been studying, he's been learning, he's been learning things about what they believe so that, so that he can share with them about the gospel of Jesus Christ to set them free. Because look, if somebody doesn't know Jesus, they're in bondage. They're in a stuck place. Even though there may be whistles and bells and shine and everything to what they're walking in, if, if they don't know Jesus, they're still lost. So as a believer, look, the Spirit of the Lord's working in our lives. We've got this, this river flowing into us. Let me just encourage you. The first time you step out and talk to someone that believes differently than you, you may get an education. Don't stop. That education's worth something. The next time you get an opportunity to talk to somebody, you'll have more tools in your toolbox. But you can, as a believer, let me tell you, you can have complete confidence in the Lord and in the Holy Spirit and His ability to work through you. Probably, for me, 
there's probably two times that I was in a very dry place. One time when I was about nine years old, we went out on a, a hunting safari in the, it wasn't actually the Kalahari Desert, but it was close to the Kalahari Desert in Botswana. <clears throat> and in that place, it was a dry, barren place, but we took water along with us to sustain us. But during the day out riding on the back of the trucks and the dust blowing up and everything like that, it got very dry and dusty. The one other time that was very dry and dusty that I remember, I climbed a volcano in Kenya. And we were young. I don't remember taking, we had to have had some kind of fluid, but I remember the next morning we got down from that mountain, we walked to a village and we came in there and I got a hold of a, I think it was a Sprite and guzzled that thing down and you know how good sodas are for you. <clears throat> but it was wet and it felt good to my, my being. But folks, there are people that are living out there. I'm trying to give an illustration. There are people out there that are hungry for something. They're thirsting for something, and they don't know where to find it. So they're looking for everything that they can to satisfy. They're trying to find something to bring meaning to their life. And I want to encourage you to learn to be confident on what God has put inside of you. The Scripture says that he will make streams in the desert. And I, I want to encourage you to start seeing yourself as a stream in the desert. If you had someone, and we've all seen movies or seen images or something like that, people out in the desert dragging themselves through the sand, you know, and just wanting a drink of water, you know, and uh, the water jug canteen, there's a little drop in there, and they just kind of, just the drop would make them happy. But we're living with this spring of life on the inside of us. There's people dying of thirst out there in the world, and they need what we have on the inside. Look, for two weeks now, because I didn't get to preach last week, this has been up here on the platform. I brought the flower back in. I did take it out. But I left the, the water glasses up here. And I, I want to just ask the question, what, what, what type of water glass are you? There's a, a glass here that's... Not even quite, well, it was, it had more water in it last week. It's a little bit less than half full. And there's another water glass here that's about half full, and then one that is mostly full. They, they're all down a little bit from last week. Dehydration got it. But, but what kind of glass are you? How ready are you to be able to meet the needs of the people that you're coming in contact with? I'm going to flip the script on you. And I'm going to tell you, to someone that's thirsty, someone who's out in the desert, they're not really concerned about how much you've got inside. They just don't want to know what you've got inside. Do you have any water? Can I have some? Can I have some? So you may feel like this represents you. But to a, a dying person, that's a blessing. That's life. So the enemy wants to make us feel like what we have or the amount that we have is somehow insignificant. I don't know enough. I don't know how to answer all their questions. I'm just a new believer. But what have you got on the inside? What's important is that you take what you do have and you bless somebody with it. Water's water. Life is life. The Spirit of God is the Spirit of God. So don't be intimidated and say, well, maybe we need Ralph. Let's call Ralph and get Ralph to take care of this. Just give the life that you've got. Bless with what God has given you. And you'll find the whole thing about being rivers of living water is the fact that the river keeps getting filled up. The more it pours out, the more that can pour in. 
And if we'll be faithful to give away what God's given us, we'll find that people are blessed, that the land is watered, the crops begin to grow, life begets life. The Spirit of God wants to work through us. So don't allow the enemy to intimidate you into thinking that maybe you don't have enough. Just give what God gave you. This, this passage we read a little earlier today talks about the nations being drawn to the Lord. And you know, I'm, I'm, we were in, in uh, Mebbin, North Carolina the other day, walking through the Tanger outlets out there, and it was amazing. There's people from all different nations in that place. I heard French people, and I heard Arabic people, and I heard uh, Hispanic people speaking, and Indians and Chinese people there. Folks, it's not just in Mebbin. If we walk through this town, there's people all over this town from, from, uh, from different nations. I think the fourth largest language group here in, in Wilson County is Vietnamese. Have you heard that? You can go online and do a search. Russian is another big one. You know, can you believe that? If you go look online, and uh, just, you can look up Wilson County and find out the different language groups that are in this area. So there's people all around us, uh, missions that mom's well-versed in that, that, that we've grown up in means you, you, know, you go to a foreign country and reach people. But folks, God has allowed people to come around us that need the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, God can, we can bless them and pour into their lives and they will send that seed back home. They will bless people in other nations. And God can create something by our work here that can affect around the world can spread out all around the world. God wants to work through us. We just have to be willing to release what he put inside of us. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 28? I'm going to touch on something here. Um, I need to, to uh, speak a word of clarification, okay? Let me start out by reading. Verse 16 says this, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee. This is after Jesus' resurrection. This is when he's getting ready to depart from them. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Okay, can we just look at that for a minute? These are his disciples. These are the people who have walked with him. Did you hear that? They went and met him at the, at the mountain. Here's the resurrected Lord. We're about 40 days that he had been walking and talking and ministering to people and being around people, eating with people, meeting with different ones. This is 40 days after his resurrection. Amy, if you were resurrected and you walked around with us for 40 days, I think after a while we'd be able to say, she's resurrected. She's really here. But mom, these are disciples. And here they've gone and met with Jesus on the mountain, and it says that some of them worshipped and some of them doubted. What can we learn from that? There's always going to be people that doubt. Look, you can't fix everybody. I mean, they're, they're meeting up on the mountain with him. Some worship and some doubted. I don't understand that. 
It says in verse 18, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Amen? Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, I need to pause just a moment and take a, uh, what do you call it? Not a hypothetical, but a, what do you call it? In the middle of a story when you change to a different subject for just a little bit. Help me out. Parenthetical? Something? Huh? Rabbit trail? Okay, rabbit trail. <laughs> Y'all are so kind. <laughs> Here's a rabbit trail. Cecile and I went on vacation a couple of weeks ago, and, and Mike uh, shared with the congregation. And uh, um, I've talked with Mike about this on a couple of occasions, so he's completely aware. I told him what I was going to do this morning, but I wanted to clarify something because Mike misspoke something when he was sharing that was make your ears stand up. And uh, I talked with him. I said, Mike, I need to understand exactly what it is you were trying to say. Because Mike made the statement, and you can listen to it online, and, but he made the statement. He says, you can't build your doctrine based on the sovereignty of God. Okay. It's around minute 30 on the tape if you want to go listen to it. I said, Mike, I've got, I got to understand that one now. Because, folks, as believers, we 100% build our doctrine based on the sovereignty of God. Okay. The fact that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And Jesus says here, all authority in heaven and earth has been given me. That's a core value to the body of Christ. And I said, I, I know Mike, you know Mike. And I'm like, I don't think that's what Mike really meant to say. And I, when I spoke to him about it, he said, I know. He said, I've already been challenged on that. He said, I, I, I get it. He said, I didn't mean to say that God's not sovereign, that God's not in control. He said, what I was trying to get to is the fact that, that people think that because because God is Lord, that if one person has an experience here, that this person is going to have an ex the exact same experience here. So we may hear about somebody's testimony, what they did, and then they think, well, it's going to be duplicated. He said everybody's life is individual, and God works in everybody's life in a different kind of way. It's not going to be a cookie-cutter experience for everybody. And so I think in his zeal and his excitement about it, he said it, not meaning to really say that, and, and I've talked with him about it, and I told him, I said, look, I'm going to get up there and clarify just to make sure that we're clear on that. Folks, we believe that God is in control. Amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, we believe in the sovereignty of God different than some people would, because I'm going to tell you, this has been a battle that's gone on through the body of Christ for a long time with regards to sovereignty. Not everything that happens in the earth is God's best plan. Okay? Not everything that happens is God's perfect will. There's things that God says, look, choose life or death. What do you think you wanted him to choose? Life. But he gave man a free will, so man can choose death. God says blessings and cursings. What did God want him to choose? Blessings. But man has been given a free will. So our, uh, I, believe me, I've gone in and listened to things on this and have studied things on this and, and I've been reading about it. But in our, in our Western mindset, we want everything to be cookie cutter fit the box make it fit perfectly and so that we can understand it and that's the only way it is there are some people that teach that god is sovereign god's going to save those he wants to save and everybody else if he doesn't choose to save you you don't even have a choice for salvation i don't believe that i believe the scripture says that god's desire is that none should perish but that all should come to the knowledge that's what god's desire is 
For all who believe gave you the right to become the children of God. The offer is out there. The doors are open wide. You know what? Heaven's doors are open to wide to any who will. When we step on the inside and look out, there's going to be this thing. Well, it's not literally going to be there, but we're going to be able to say, saved by the grace of God. And we'll know those who have been saved, but not everybody's going to choose to come to the Lord. But that's because in the midst of God's sovereignty, God put this whole universe in place and it works like clockwork around all all of creation is working like clockwork according to his design. But he put this one little place of flux in the middle and that is that he gave man a free will. And he said, you choose. So where all around the, the universe things are working exactly by his design, he gave us the right to be able to make a decision whether or not we will walk with him or not. He's not trying to make us robots and force us into live for him. He says, you choose. And so within the realm of man, there are differences and there are choices that people make. And it affects us and it affects our children and our children's children. It affects our co-workers and our, our extended loved ones and those that we come in contact with. That's why it's so, invi- so vitally important that those of us who know the Lord and have a relationship to the Lord... That we live in such a way that we represent him well. His name is at stake in the way we live. I, I believe that things are wrapping up. I believe that God is wanting to bring things to a close. And folks, can we just be very transparent? I'm trying to communicate with you the urgency of how we live our lives and how we devote ourselves If you look at the body of Christ around the world, there's, uh, I think, I I don't specifically know the number, but I think an estimate is one and a half billion believers around the world out of the, how many people live in the world? I'll let y'all Google search that later. But however many believers there are in the world, can I just say that everybody who is called by the name of Jesus is not necessarily walking with the Lord? Not everybody who goes to church has an intimate relationship with him. Not everybody who's, quote, in the body of Christ knows the Lord the way you do. Not everybody who believes in Jesus for salvation is empowered and has a river of life flowing into them the way you do. Why do I say that? But to emphasize the fact that it's much more vitally important than those of us who do know ignite something in the other believers that we come in contact with. That it's much more vitally important that those of us who are walking in relationship with the Lord share the river of God that's flowing into us with the people we come in contact with. Look, time is done for us to be looking around and saying, that's somebody else's job. You don't have to be intimidated by an Islamic person thinking that somehow what they have is more powerful than what you have. You don't have to be intimidated by anybody else. Share life. Share life. Even if you don't know all the scriptures, let me tell you what you can share with them about your personal journey with the Lord and how God has transformed your life and how he walks and he talks with you and how you have a daily experience with him, even if it's just a little nudge from the Holy Spirit. That's foreign to them. They're trying to serve out of legalism and even the the, um, extreme acts that they do are somehow trying to get 
God's attention to notice them so that just maybe he will favor them by blessing them with eternal blessings. But there is no assurance of salvation in their faith. You don't have to be intimidated. My goodness, there's a river of life flowing inside of us. Bless the Lord. Can I, let me just, let's go to, to second, second Corinthians. I'm checking the clock over there. Second Corinthians chapter two. I'm sorry. It's first Corinthians chapter two. I did it again. I was looking at that number two there. First Corinthians chapter two. Okay. After Jesus, after Jesus in the Christian faith, biblical, biblical Christian, who would we consider a champion of the faith? Name, throw it out, throw it out. Paul, okay? Okay, Paul kind of stands out because he wrote most of the New Testament, okay? Or a a big part of the New Testament. We have more about Paul's story and Paul's journey than really we have anybody else because he wrote the epistles to the churches. He wrote books to individuals to to encourage them. We've been blessed with his writings. Would you, in in chapter 2, I want to give you confidence in your own personal walk with the Lord. I want to give you a little boost of boldness in the sharing of your faith because, folks, it's vital for people out there. It's vital for you as well, but it's vital that we share our faith with the people we come in contact with. Lord, help us to see it's not somebody else's job. It's our job. It's our job to share what we have. Paul's our champion. I mean, he went before men. If there was ever a man of God who devoted himself to the work of ministry, Paul did. He didn't consider his life. He was willing to die for the Lord. He was stoned. He was beaten. He he went out there and continued to do things. But look what he says in verse 1. Again, just to clarify for you, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, okay? Verse 1, and I'm reading out of the NIV. He says, when I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaim to you the testimony of God. Paul said, I didn't come with eloquence or with great wisdom. So what's our excuse? But Lord, I I don't know what to say. I'm not as good a speaker as that other person. And I, I don't, I don't, I can't, I can't say it the way other people would say it. That's what Paul said. He said he, he didn't even come with great eloquence He didn't come with great wisdom. Verse 2, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Christ Jesus. It wasn't about the philosophy. It wasn't about the deep teachings. The one thing that was more important than anything is I just wanted, wanted to share Christ. I just wanted to share about Jesus and his, and his crucifixion. I just wanted to share about him. I, I, I may not know everything else. I may not understand all the other things. I may not know everything about everybody else's religion. But what I do know, I can tell them about Jesus. I can tell them what Jesus did for us. Verse 3. Listen to this. This is Paul, people. Verse 3. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. I, don't, I just don't feel comfortable sharing my faith with people because I, I, I get nervous. I, 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 you know, I'm not sure of myself. I, it, I, I'm uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I'm insecure. And Paul says what? With fear and weakness and trembling. But who is it? It's the Apostle Paul. 
Can you believe that? Jonathan? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. See, that's not just that river flowing to us. It's a river flowing through us. It's not just the water getting poured in. It's the water pouring out. I can sit here and perpetually, and at least as long as this will last, I can pour water in that glass, and, and it, it won't run dry as long as, I mean, it'll pour out, pour out, pour out, but as long as there's an in, continual infilling, life is flowing through it. That's the way God wants our life to be. Believer in Jesus Christ, don't be content to get your cup full. Don't get enough to satisfy a mouthful of thirst. Don't be content just to try to get your own needs filled. Get more than enough. Let the river flow in. Let the river flow out. As you're receiving life, give life. When we make ourselves available to the Lord, I'm going to tell you, God's looking for people who will just say yes. Just say yes. If you will sow yourself into something, here's something that we've got to get in, our, in the core of our being. God never expects you to be enough. God never expects you to know enough. God never expects you to have it all perfect. If you have it perfect, what do you need Him for? But I'm going to tell you, if you will sow yourself into the work of the Lord, if you will be willing to speak to that person in need, if you'll be willing to share your faith, if you'll be willing to pray, God will smile upon what you're doing and He will match your effort with His ability. He will add the supernatural dynamic to your natural works. And just like Paul, he came with a demonstration of the power of God, a demonstration of the Spirit of God. Because that river that flows into us isn't just supposed to be meeting our needs. It's supposed to be flowing out of us. That's what we're designed for. Look, and again, these glasses on the table, if the enemy can make you feel like your glass is half empty, you'll always feel half empty. Because he will comp continue playing that string. He'll make it resonate and resonate and resonate. But look, it's the substance that's the important thing. It, do you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you? There are times when, Mama, there's times when I don't feel very spiritual and someone will say, will you pray? Yes, I'll pray. Because it really doesn't have to do with me. In my heart, I'll tell you, there's a little missile prayer that goes up and says, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. And I'm like, and I, there's another th thought that goes in my mind. is like, right now? Is this the time? You know, because sometimes you just kind of get broadsided by it. You may not feel very spiritual. But let me tell you, when you don't feel spiritual, if you're a child of God, you are spiritual. Don't be, don't be governed by your feelings. Be governed by the Spirit of God. You just... Open up the floodgate and let the, the river flow. Amen? Look, to that thirsty, dry person, you may be a newborn believer. You may feel like your cup has is, 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 is barely got any water in it. 
But to that thirsty, dry person, a drop on the tip of their tongue is satisfying. It may make them want more, but it's satisfying. So don't hold back because you think that you're not as spiritual as somebody else. Just be the spiritual person that you are and let life flow out of you. Amen? I don't want to, to, to enter into the eternal And feel like that I've missed the opportunity to be able to reach somebody for the Lord. I don't want one person to miss heaven because I failed to reach them. Let me just say this. Um, There's no place for us to sit around and beat ourselves up for opportunities missed also. God's a big God. And where we miss it, God can send somebody else. But don't be intimidated into thinking that you are the person that's having to crack the door because God's already been working in that person's heart most likely. And if you go and just say the little bit that you have, you may find that you're just planting seed or watering a seed that's already been placed in there because God's been plowing that land for some time, letting them know about their need and drawing them closer to him. And when you find somebody that's in need, nurture them. That's a whole other story. But we, we need to become not just people that are trying to to say one word, but we need to be committed to the process of raising babies. Amen? It's not just about birthing children, but it's about raising disciples for the Lord. Amen? I'm going to close in prayer. And uh, I, I, I've, um, I feel like I ran through a whole lot of things. I've had a lot going on in my heart about this for some time. But uh, I, if I could come back to one thing, Mom made a statement. She said, don't waste your life. Don't waste your life. You're important to God's purposes in the earth. And have confidence of the deposit that he's put inside of you. You are a life-giving vessel for the Lord. Jesus said, if you give a glass of water in my name, (laughs) if you give a glass of water in my name, glass of water doesn't seem very significant. But because you're willing to give that glass of water, God recognizes you as his. Would you stand with me? We're going to go to the Lord in prayer.